everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Online Warriors Podcast. And you'll notice that I am not a Legal 86. She's not. I'm not. I'm Nerd Bomber. And unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for him, because he's having a grand old time, Illegal 86 is on vacation this week, and he left the kids to go have a ruckus without him. For the heavy necking special. Heavy necking special. Ooh, I, I don't like that. I, I don't know about that. But it's me, Nerd Bomber, and I'm joined with Tactic. Hello, hello. And we hope this will be a fun episode. It's just the two of us. It's going to go off the rails. We don't have a legal to hem us in on any specific topic. He usually does keep us on topic. We might go on some like crazy tangents, but it's fine. But we do have a bit of a sandwich for you guys today. A sandwich? Yeah. I'm not I'm not talking your your standard deli meat sandwich. I'm talking the lineup. We got ourselves a spoopy sandwich because we got some video game bread. On the left and the right, we're going to ease in with a little bit of the Nintendo Direct. Then we're going to go into some Hocus Pocus news. And then we're going to close the sandwich. We're going to close it up with some Mass Effect news. But before we get into there, I want to ask the listeners just just one question in, in, in standard illegal fashion. When you guys hang out with your pets, does anyone in the world out there not talk to them like people? Like, do you have pet voice or is it, do you treat them like they're, they're just a member of the family? I definitely, I have pet voice. It's a very specific. So first of all, I often like to voice the animal. Like when I'm hanging out with them, I will like voice them and have them talk back to me, which probably sounds really insane. And so fun fact, we've been feeding Illegal's cat while he's on vacation. So yes, he did give us keys to his house. We have not burned it down yet. So Illegal, if you're listening to this while you're on a beach, we have not burned down your house. So you're welcome. But we do talk to your cat very differently. Yeah. Like when I'm there, I have full conversations with his cat to the point where the other day I was there and Tactic was not here with me. You have pet voice when you're doing this this whole time? Of course I do pet voice when I'm doing this. So I'm like, we were looking out the window together, you know, me and the cat. And like, we were just having a conversation. There was some dude sunning himself in like one of the neighborhood houses. And we were just like, you know, chatting about that. And do you want to, do you want to share your pet voice with the listeners or is it too cringy? Every single animal that I try to give a voice to, whether it's a dog or a cat or even you yell at me when we do our rabbit, I do our rabbit this way, but it's always like the ho, 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 I'm a, Oh, no, I'm no, no, not the voice you give the pet. Oh. You speak to the pet with your own like, like, hey there, buddy. With the cat. So I feel like with cats, I don't know why I get a little bit, it's not baby talkish, but maybe a little bit. It's like, hello there. Pretty kitty. That is like my my go to mm, cat yeah, voice. I, I wish I didn't ask. That was a that was a tiny bit cringy. Yeah, just a little bit. With dogs, though, it's it's different. With dogs, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. That kind of thing. See, when I was there today, Nerd Bomber was not with me. This this go around, and we did just talk like we're buds. Where I was, just, you know, like like old old roommates that are catching up. Hey man, how's it going? Slap him on his side. You know, every animal in the world just makes that that belly slap noise. You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, we have good conversation, but talking like people. I'm very anti-baby voice or pet voice, whatever you want to call it. Very anti that. I can't help myself. It's just something that happens. I think, so like I do that less with my own animals, I think. When I first come home to our dog, I'm more apt to do a voice 
or like the first time I'm seeing the dog, like if I wake up, I'm like, oh, hello. But then once I'm like settled in, you know, I just talk to the dog like he's one of us. Interesting. You know? Well, we're not going to make you guys uncomfortable with these voices. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But we are going to roll right into the Nintendo Direct. <laughs> yes, we are. We are going to roll <laughs> right into the Nintendo Direct showcase that we got because guys, there were some duds, but there were some spectacular showings that I just want to get into. So one of the biggest announcements, and I know a lot of people on the internet were super excited about this, was Persona 5 Royal, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 3 Portable were all announced to be coming to the Nintendo Switch. And I have to be honest here, and I feel like I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I have never played one of these games. I genuinely do not understand what they are about because every time I see a trailer for these games with gameplay, sometimes they're like, it seems like they're in a school. They're all wearing like school uniforms or something. So sometimes they're like running around a school in a uniform with swords or something like that. That school is wild. Other times I see clips and they're like somewhere else and there's like, I think dragons, I think I saw in one of the clips. And I don't truly understand what these games are about, but I do know they're very, very popular. And I would really love if someone would explain them to me. And also like, can you jump in? at installment five because i have this thing in tactic i don't i don't know if you're the same way i have a problem and we'll talk about this too when we get to monster hunter if i'm so far removed from the series's start like if i'm five games in you're going to have a really hard time convincing me to pick up a series how do you feel about that so I kind of agree with you with Persona. Um, I got the same daunting. I don't know if I'd be able to jump into this one. So I guess this this just doesn't interest me. And this, for me, gave me vibes of, hey, you had to be there Persona 1 and 2 to really to really get what, being excited for 3, 4, and 5. But as far as Monster Hunter goes, I 100% disagree with you. That game, from experience, I can 100% say that it is very low bar to entry. It's... It, it's exactly what, what it says it is. Is You're there a monsters. lot of story, though? Because so in the trailer for this, because there was, I think, a, a Monster Hunter expansion announced for the Switch game with Monster Hunter. And I feel like we're leading off the bat with this episode, you know, showing big franchises and video games that we don't really know anything about. But is there a story and a plot? Because I always thought and assumed that Monster Hunter was something where, you know, you almost kind of like a Pokemon sort of thing, where it was like a more adult version of trying to like hunt down and capture monsters. Oh, like, no, no. No, not at all. It's, it's slaying, more slaying monsters. And, and you're kind of getting what they're, they drop. Like their body parts give you armor. Okay, but like what about the little cat guy? That's just your buddy that you have like through the through the game. You don't catch that cat guy, but that with that game, at least the way in my experience and the way that I felt that as I played through it, is it tries to have story, but like you can zoom through it. You're not going to miss anything. At the end of the day, you have individual parallel missions that you go on, take it out, collect your loot, and the rinse and repeat. And you don't really miss stuff. There's there's always something building to a bigger badder boss battle but bigger battle boss i messed that up but it's fine bigger better boss battle say that five times fast that's hard bigger better boss battle bigger better boss battle bigger better boss battle bigger better boss battle <laughs> okay way to show me up all right <laughs> um so it's always building to that 
but ultimately it's not like why you show up for me it was you show up to group with your friends online and take on this big thing that literally feels like you're punching a wall for 20,000 hours and it's brutal but you do it for the camaraderie and and that's that that's i don't think there's much more to that in my opinion the story's just kind of okay you're there for the monsters i feel like monster hunter is also one of those games so like the gameplay, I will say, like knowing nothing about the story and kind of getting daunted by all of the like small story clips that I've ever seen, I feel like I'd be lost, but good to know that I wouldn't be. But also, is it just me or does it feel like there's always some sort of Monster Hunter announcement lately? I feel like for the past maybe five, six years, per- potentially longer, I don't know. But it seems like in every like showcase round, whether it's an E3, whether it's this like fake E3 where Nintendo has their own thing. I feel like Nintendo especially has done a really good job of milking Monster Hunter as a franchise. But I feel like there's always a new announcement. And is like I'm probably asking a little bit too much of you, Tech Dig, because I know you've only really played the one extensively. But is this all just like, are these like main games and it's just expansion after expansion and they just live forever? Are you basically saying that it's like kind of a everlasting, you know, PVE sort of thing? Yes and no. I mean, they have had different games, different DLCs and kind of spread it out. But ultimately what people get excited about when they see this new monster is, is, uh, is oh, sweet. What kind of badass armor can I get? And so you get, by getting a monster expansion, you get armor expansions, and it sort of keeps going like that and keeps it alive. So more of a looter and booter kind of thing, because you boot the crud out of monsters. I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say looter shooter, but that didn't make sense, because you're not shooting, you're hitting Apparently people Apparently curb stopping them. <laughs> Apparently. So kind of moving on from that, you know, one of the other big things that we saw a gameplay trailer for, and you know, we've there's been like sneak previews, especially the last few weeks, but there was another Sonic Frontiers trailer. Guys, this. Okay, give me this, give me guys. your impressions. This is the first of its kind. This is this is unlike any other Sonic ever. And what makes this so special is this is a open world RPG Sonic game. That doesn't exist. Typically, it's a linear form level. You go from start to finish, and yes, there's been 3D maps where you can kind of go off to the left and go off to the right and find something, but ultimately, it's still a timed trial run from start to finish in any Sonic game ever. This is not that. This is open world. There's rails that you can grind. There's bouncy things, and they're, they're seemingly just randomly scattered about so that you can constantly expand and explore and and earn new power-ups and things like that and there is no timing on any part of this map unless you enter specific time trial segments of the map which gives you kind of what the original sonic games were about but this is not that that's just sort of a side quest where the main thing is just exploring unsolving riddles puzzles to continuously expand the map and the one thing that kind of turned me off of this because i i know i sound very excited about this and i am and i don't want you guys to be confused in any way but the one thing that was concerning is i watched a gameplay trailer in addition to the preview that we saw and the yahoo music that we're that we're used to the just the throw your 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 horns up and rock out music that we're used to for sonic 
it's not this. It's like piano, mellow, chill vibes, which goes great with exploring. But it's just, it was kind of jarring for me to see Sonic just do, 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 moseying along. I mean, I get it. But also, this feels like a more mature version of Sonic than we've ever gotten before. I mean, even when you look at the enemy types that we saw in the trailer, the the robots and kind of what they they showed off, it reminded me of the robot race in Mass Effect a little bit. Like, there's a part of me that was like, okay, that feels a little bit derivative, but also that just feels mature compared to what we used to get in Sonic games. If I mean, I'm thinking back to all of the Sonic games I've ever played, and they're usually like more of a cutesy sort of enemy because, you know, Dr. Robotnik or Mr. Eggman or whatever you want to call him, the dude with the nice orange mustache. He always seems to build like very animally type focused robots or at least robots that kind of have a face and are a little bit cutesy. They're not super menacing at all. And I feel like the enemies that we saw here looked a little bit more menacing and adult than anything that we've seen in a prior Sonic. The one thing I will say that kind of also concerned me a little bit, and I feel like this is hard to gauge until you've gotten your hands on the game and played it yourself. But just, you know, when they were showing Sonic running through the landscape and the world, the world kind of felt empty. And I feel like that's that's going to be a really tricky thing for them to balance because, you know, Sonic's all about speed. So you can't have things that are stopping you from running fast every five seconds. But you also don't want to just be running through kind of like not a barren world because obviously there's a lot of greenery and the landscaping and the rails and the bounces. Right. And And I get that. But there was also a period where like he's just running through the hills and there's really nothing to look at. You're just running for the sake of running. Would you call them green hills? They are very green hills. I see what you did there. Yeah. But I feel like depending on how much of that, you know, just running for the sake of running there is without, you know, rings to collect or anything really in the landscape besides just the landscape itself it has the potential to feel empty but like i said it's going to be really hard to gauge you got to get your hands on it and see how they they balance that i do i do tend to agree that it it is a little bit of a i guess you would call it a more mature game and then even beyond that like the combat style you can parry you can counter um there's various moves that you have to time in order to attack the bad guys, it's not just bounce, hit, bounce, hit, bounce, hit. There's there's a whole heightened level of combat in this game that we, we haven't really gotten besides maybe the the few boss battles in some of the Sonic game. Nothing, even the, like the tertiary low-level grunts, you have to like plan it out and, and be strategic on your moves. What else is interesting is as you go through the story, as I mentioned, you get power-ups, and those power-ups are used to give you new skills, new upgrades, different ways to attack. So it's it's just a whole new Sonic. So keep an eye out for this one. This is going to be a big deal. I, I can definitely say that I'm going to buy this one. This one's got me excited. And I'm here for the piano, I guess. One of the other games, speaking of like, you know, cutesy animal type things that I was really excited about. Don't you dare refer to Sonic as a cutesy animal type No, thing. we were he talking about badass. not Sonic himself, although Tails is super cute. But I, we were talking about, you know, how Dr. Robotnik made like more cutesy animally based robots and stuff. And I mean, even now we're going back into a little bit of a Sonic tangent, but like you go back to Sonic 1 and 2 and every time that you beat up a robot, what came out of it? They were little animals that Dr. Robotnik had enslaved to control his robots. So that is where I was going with the cutesiness. Fair enough. But 
Blanc is another game that I was actually really excited about. So this is one, I believe this was an announcement trailer. I don't think we've seen this before. But essentially, this game is a 2D game where you play as a fawn and a wolf cub. And I believe it's co-op. You have to work together and solve different puzzles because the fawn and the wolf cub have different abilities and skills as you navigate the, the wilderness. And you have to find your way home in the snow. And this just looks super cute. First of all, the art style is really great. This all looks hand-drawn to me. It, it kind of has like a a sketch sort of feel to it, black and white sketching, probably where the name Blanc comes from. And it's just, it kind of gives me like those Cuphead vibes. I just really like the aesthetic of games like this. It takes me back, especially with like the main characters both being young animals. It really kind of takes me back to like the days of watching like Little Bear when I was a kid. So I always like, you know what I mean though? Like it has that kind of art style and aesthetic and I really enjoy that. But apparently it's an emotional adventure, which is completely text-free. So anyone would be able to experience it. And guys, it's local co-op. Get that couch co-op. So you you guys all know Nerd Bomber and I are always down to local co-op. That's like, that's like... If any game does that, you know we're buying it. That's like, period. It's it's just a rule of the land. Now, the question to you, Nerd Bomber, is are you the fawn or are you the pup? This is really tough because I do love dogs, but I think I'm going to say that I'm the fawn. I wanted to be the fawn. Okay, you can be the fawn then. That's fine. <laughs> well, the reason why I say this, so this is a fun fact for our people who may not have ever seen me run in person, which is probably like 99% of our listeners but for whatever reason, Tactic thinks that I run like a, a gazelle or a deer. All right, you're the fawn. I don't see it, but, you know. There's he, a lot of bound in her run. It's it's very interesting to watch. But also, guys, she's a little bit taller than me, and the fawn's a little bit taller than the pup, so I think that'll work. You're right. I'm the pup. You're the fawn. But yeah, this is super cute, though. And I really do enjoy, and I feel like the Nintendo Switch, and Xbox as well, but I feel like the Nintendo Switch has a lot of investment in indie games and not only just regular indie games, but co-op indie games, because I feel like we end up finding a lot of our couch co-op indie games on the Switch. And yeah, like I said, Xbox does have a lot now, especially with like all of the Game Pass deals and stuff. But I feel like with Switch, and I don't know if it's just because the eShop just has it's kind of like, I guess, open season for any developer. You can literally find anything under the sun on the eShop. You can find things for like five cents on the eShop, you know? And I feel like maybe because of that, Nintendo just always seems to bring that couch co-op goodness. And it's not its not so much that Xbox doesn't have these same type of titles available. It's just N- Nintendo really puts them on the front page, really lifts their indie developers up. And I, and I personally think, hey, lifting up the little guys go for it. I think that's the way to go. So this game is going to be released in February 2023, which honestly, given like the snowy landscape vibe of this, this seems like a really perfect winter game. Plus couple gamers. This is like February, the the month of love. Here comes some necking, guys. I don't know what necking sounds like. like... Yeah, you've been going hard on the necking. but uh... Illegal said that's what we're going to do on this episode. Well, here we are, not necking talking about video games uh, another thing that i did want to bring up and because i know tactic you're a little bit more of a mega man fan um, but there is the mega man battle network legacy collection which was announced so this is i believe 
a little bit different from, you know, the standard Mega Man games, if I remember correctly, because I think I played one of these. These were all like Game Boy Advance games. These were better. These were more like turn-based because you you were like on a tile sort of thing. It wasn't just like action combat. Like you kind of had to think about it, right? Yes. And so a couple episodes back, I had said I bought the Mega Man pack. This is what I thought I was buying, and I wish this came out later, because this this was my childhood. This is what I remember playing. This is what I fell in love with, with Mega Man, and whereas the old original Mega Man games were kind of clunky and difficult to avoid attacks, whereas this, with it being the turn-based style, especially you know being terrible at reacting in these games, I didn't have to worry about dodging. I would just plan ahead, and like that's just much better for me. This Mega Man, in my opinion, was... And, and Final Fantasy fans, you're going to hate me for saying this, but that was my all-time turn-based game playing growing up. It wasn't Final Fantasy. It was Mega Man. So I'm excited to see this. I'm going to blast a big hole in that statement. It was not. Pokemon was. It's not the same style. I, I wouldn't consider but, but them the it, same. It is turn-based. But it's not. It's not. But it is. You're taking turns. It's It's not. It, it, because you, the way you run your moves and you can do things where they can ultimately not get like the same it, it just it has a different feel it's not don't do this to me it's not okay okay so safe to say though that in 2023 when this comes out you'll probably be buying this as well and then never touch the other mega do we know collection? what price it'll be i don't believe so i can find out real quick how much was the mega man collection that you bought already I don't know. I want to say like 10 bucks. It, it depends what this cost is. If, if it's like a $60 thing, I'm probably not going to buy it. But if it's like 10 to 20 bucks, yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I don't see a price on this. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure I could find it, but I, I can't find it right just, now. In general, I'm just desperate to be a child again. I just, I, I haven't figured out what game gets me there, but ultimately I'm still getting older. Yeah, unfortunately, that is what happens with the passage of time. Uh, we also saw, and this is, you know, kind of speaking more of like the turn-based thing, we saw more footage for Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. It got a release date and, you know, Ubisoft also had, after the Nintendo Direct or Mini Direct, they had a, a more elaborate showcase about this. And uh, this is more a, of a strategy game, sort of along the lines of XCOM, but, you know, Mario and Rabbids instead. What did you think of this? Was XCOM turn-based like this? Yeah, XCOM is, it's, so it's the, you know, top-down, and I was so bad at it. I was very, very bad at XCOM, but you're basically, you know, you move each of your squad members, and they can either attack or whatever, and depending on, you know, how many squares you move them, or what attack you chose, or whether you even chose to attack would determine, like, how many moves per person in your squad that you got, and then, you know, obviously, then the computer AI would take over, and then you'd it's basically like you were playing almost like chess. That's what a lot of these games kind of feel like is you're playing chess. The problem with me and these type of games is that I often just want to jump in and uh, have fun. And there's a lot of like strategy that you have to think about. You have to like build your team well. I remember I tried to play like Gears Tactics a while back when we first got Game Pass because, you know, with Game Pass Ultimate, you know, you got PC Game Pass and we had just built a spiffy new gaming computer. And I was like, let me play Gears Tactics. And, you know, it wasn't like 
difficult but then I took a good like two month break and then tried to come back to it and I couldn't remember what my tactic plan like my tactical plans I had no idea what I was doing what my squad members were good at what I was even supposed to be doing because each game is slightly different so I'm not fantastic at these type of games well what was really what was really cool about this particular game is in the gameplay play trailer it specifically identified that when you shoot your gun that's that's ultimately what ends that character's turn so if you do things like dash at them and weaken them with a with a weaker attack first, you can then finish them off with the gun attack. And it was kind of instilling those strategies instead of just going out guns blazing with the big ultimate attack first to try to get a one-hit KO, which generally might not work. You can really optimize and be strategic. And that's really cool. I think that's a great skill to impart on the youths. So youth you you've never played XCOM or gears tactics i tried XCOM and got incredibly frustrated almost instantly because i did that exact i was trying to go in just guns a blazing and just not doing it strategically and i just got flanked just about every time i feel like you would probably do better at those games now that we're a little bit older and i feel like you'd think about things a little bit more tactically I would be interested to see how you would do. I mean, maybe obviously this is kind of a good stepping stone because this is kind of how you introduce kids to to this genre of game. But I would be interested to see how you do with Gears Tactics because I'm just curious if you would do better than I did. Maybe you'll do better now. Who knows? No, I literally, Being a patient like, adult. Gears Tactics was literally like six months ago, maybe last year. It was not that long ago, I can tell you that. So I, I definitely did not develop any more patience in the last year. If anything, I got less patient. So yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one. But do you think this is something that you would want to pick up? I think it'd be something I would buy for like a nephew. It's not something that I would buy for myself just because my backlog and I, if I'm going to buy something, there's other games in this direct that I'd, I'd much rather invest into like Sonic or... Um, would you buy Portal again for the I bought, fifth time? I own Portal currently for almost every other console except for the Switch. I don't need to buy it again. <laughs> so that was one of the other announcements. The Portal Companion Collection came to Switch the, the day of the Nintendo Mini Direct. I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. I feel like at this point, Portal is kind of like Skyrim, where it's been remastered, remade, and ported to every well, single its like, gameplay system. is timeless. The jokes just are not dated in any way, so that makes it timeless. And it's just it's a fun concept. It's easy to play, and it's just a good time. Yeah, I mean, and even I think one of the things that makes it fun is that, especially with Portal Two. Even though like you as the player may have already run through all of the puzzles, when you get into co-op, it's just a different experience. Even if you know the solution, trying to navigate your partner to place portals in the right location so that you can get through the puzzle together. And I think especially this is one of those games where it's kind of fun. And I feel like Tactic, you were here with me when we did one of these with one of our friends. When you have someone who doesn't really play video games a whole lot and you put them in front of this game and maybe get a few drinks in them <laughs> and then try to communicate and coordinate and navigate and it's not a good time, like 
it's not an easy time, but it's a good time and it's a fun time. So Portal is timeless. Unless somebody comes up with like a Portal 3, finally, I think Portal 1 and 2 will continue to get ported to every single system ever made. Yeah, so if you haven't played this, I mean, as evident by I own it on every other console, it's good. Buy it, play it, you'll love it. Guaranteed. And if, and if you don't love it, come at me. Yeah, if you don't love it, I'm sure you will have to come at a lot of people on the internet because it's universally loved. I, I really have not met anybody who doesn't like Portal. So now you know. Uh, another big new game that was announced is Harvest Stella. And this one, this is a, a Square Enix game. And it kind of has, you know, a fantastical RPG sort of world like you would expect from Square Enix. But they've also added like lifestyle sim sort of things like you would see in an Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley. You're basically you're part of this village and you have to, you know, you have to farm, you know, collect materials, make sure that your village is self-sufficient and everybody is fed and happy and stuff. But apparently, like and then chaos happens, right? So, like you're cycling through seasons, and eventually, you're going to hit the quietest or the season of death, and so you have to then, you know, figure out a way to prevent that from happening, because you built this nice little town, and you don't want death to come and destroy it. So, Technic, what did you think about this? I was like, oh, this seems chill. Wait, wait, what now? <laughs> it was basically my reaction of this. I don't know. It, it it seemed like it was fun. It had interesting combat. It had inter- interesting uh, harvesting mechanics. I don't know how well it would play. I, like I feel like it. I don't know how long you're doing one before it switches to the other. Is it like this jarring experience, or is it sort of these cyclical? Okay, you go through seasons. Every every year is a is a quietus. That's the thing I struggle with because generally when I get in a certain vibe. If something just completely disrupts that vibe, I don't like it. I don't want it to feel like a completely different game. But if I look at it as two independent games, it looked neat. I liked the lifestyle sim and the combat looked neat. But I don't know if it's necessarily my cup of tea. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was going to say. So like cozy gaming is a really big genre right now. If anybody is on TikTok, I know I spend way too much time on TikTok, there is an entire, you know, category of TikToks devoted to exploring cozy gaming. And if you don't know that term, it's basically, you know, stuff like Stardew Valley, stuff like Animal Crossing, where it's not mindless tasks, but almost a little bit, but it's very just like a calm, relaxing game where you're carrying out tasks, you know, maybe, you know, talking to villagers, basically keeping your village in order and just doing things like that are very organized you know what to expect. You can get into a nice little rhythm of you just checking tasks off your to-do list and just feeling cozy, hence the name Cozy Gaming. And kind of like you said, Tactic, I know a lot of cozy gamers who, you know, especially with Animal Crossing, the big draw to something like that was you built your village, you got it in a really good place, and then you're just maintaining and expanding, maintaining and expanding, and like things don't really go awry, really. Like aside from maybe like weeds that pop up, nothing really bad happens, and you're just in this good headspace. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out because I understand the want and desire to get into the cozy gaming space because I think there is a lot of audience for that. It's obviously, you know, becoming a very hot genre and especially on the Nintendo Switch, like 
for this game, the Nintendo Switch is absolutely perfect. I think the Nintendo Switch is the king of cozy gaming, if you will. It's just, you know, as you said, how jarring is the transition between seasons going to be? Are you going to be able to turn off that transition? Like if you just really get into the groove collecting materials and like farming and doing all that kind of stuff, can you stop bad things from happening? Can you prevent the quietest from ever happening, not by playing, but just like turning off a setting? Because I know a lot of people who really would like the aesthetic That'd and the be an vibe interesting of the option in the game. <laughs> be like, nah, nah, I don't want any of that. Well, I mean, it's kind of like if you think about it, I mean, I know in Minecraft, you know, you still have like zombies and stuff that can pop up when you're just in like your free play mode, but it's kind of no different than doing free play mode in Minecraft, you know, kind of turn bad things off and just build and have fun and just have a kind of a peaceful session. So it'll be interesting to see if there's something like this available for this game, Harvestella, being released on November 4th. Any parting thoughts on that one? Just don't just don't ruin my vibe, Harvestella. Don't ruin his vibe. Uh, another big announcement, Return to Monkey Island. That is coming to consoles first on Switch. Have you been to Monkey Island previously? I have not played any of the Monkey Island games at all. Like, I know that the series and the original game is, like, super beloved, but I just... I, I want to say maybe I played this in the 90s i don't even know if this was out in the 90s there were certain point and click games that i played back then and i was more in like the king's quest thing so i i just i never got into monkey island i played king's quest like all of them yeah this is for me this is the first time seeing a monkey island and i didn't realize that there was an interest to go back to it nor did i personally really see an interest to go to it the first time after seeing this it just for me it didn't really vibe with me i don't know it just looked kind of silly i mean it's a it's a classic kind of formula that point and click puzzle solving we do have the original monkey island game on i want to say like xbox 360 i have it it's like the digital version so you can probably download it and play it if you wanted to give it a shot i feel like tactic you would probably like a game like this because you do like you know, kind of puzzle solving sort of stuff. And that's not necessarily my cup of tea all the time. So I feel like you would really kind of get into this if you sat down and played it. But I don't know. And also like the humor. I think it's, it's got like a, a decent sense of humor from everything that I could tell from these games. But this is coming out still in 2022. I don't have an exact release date, but it will be coming out this year. Yeah, a lot of these games that we're kind of getting into are... are in my opinion, honorable mention territory. They're 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 neat. They're coming out, but like I said, the 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 Blanc, the the Sonic Frontiers, those were the the most exciting ones for me personally. I will say on a last you know kind of party note, I know there's a bunch of other games that we didn't touch on, but you know you can always reach out to us on Twitter. I am at ownerdbomber. Tectic is at OW Tectic, and our main show account is at Online Warriors One. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but yeah, if there's anything that we didn't talk about, reach out to us. We're always open and happy to discuss games. We watched the whole, you know, 
kit and caboodle here, so kit? we will know everything that you're talking you, about. You did say kit and caboodle, right? Not kit and caboodle? No, it's kit and caboodle. Okay, I just I wanted to make sure you said This that. is not a cat caboodle tactic. I just wanted to make sure. Okay. But yeah, one last thing, and I know tactic, you weren't super thrilled on this one. You said it looked kind of weird, but Lorelai and the laser eyes... This is kind of a detective mystery style game. It's more puzzly. Uh, it's more considered a puzzle adventure game. This is coming to the Switch in 2023. And this invoked vibes of The Lost City or The Last City. I played this recently. I should know the name of the game. But it kind of evoked, you know, more of a not point and clicky, but like you just kind of have to adventure and uncover clues and you know, going back to King's Quest and detective puzzle games, I don't usually like puzzle games, but, you know, something about this just kind of spoke to me. And I think maybe the, the aesthetic of this. Yeah, this one, this one me. did interest me a little bit more than King's Quest. Um, but to me, I think it's going to be one of those where I have to try it to see if I'd like it as opposed to just almost instantly being pulled in. So... That's kind of our recap on the Nintendo Direct Mini from June 2022. Let us know which games you were most excited about. Let us know which games you thought looked like crap. Because, you know, there's nothing more fun than finding other people who think the same things suck that you do. And, you know, get excited. There's a lot of good games coming for the Nintendo Switch. There's a lot of good games coming across all consoles. You know, we haven't really gotten a tight, like... E3 experience this summer, but with all of these different showcases and stuff coming out, there's a lot to be excited about in the world of 2023 gaming. is going to be a busy year for gaming. It is going to be a very busy year in the world of gaming. So before we move on to the meat and end of the bread in our sandwich, though, we do want to take a break to call it a sponsor, but also to talk about our wonderful Patreon producer, Stephen you are fantastic. Steven has been supporting us at the night level on our Patreon for a very long time now. He gets wonderful perks like helping us choose our quiz topics, which unfortunately, since it's a two-person show today, we do not have one. Um, but he helps us choose our quiz topics. He gets early access to our episodes when available, access to our monthly vlogs, and our monthly bonus episode. He also gets a recurring guest spot on the show. Steven is great, and you want to be like Steven. Head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash online warriors podcast, and you too can join the online warriors roundtable. We have three different tiers of subscription. We have the page tier, the square tier, and the night tier, all of which come with super fun perks and goodies. Go check us out. It helps us keep the lights on here at Online Warrior Central. We've been going for five years. We'd love to go another five. You can't stop us. You can help, though, by going over to our Patreon. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because we heard them advertise on other shows. And quite frankly, I wanted to see what all the hype was about. And let me tell you, the hype was real. 
So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's quick and easy for me to toss back in the morning as I'm getting ready for work. One scoop into a glass of water helps me wake up even on tired mornings, and I know my gut and immune system will be prepped for the day. And I know what you're thinking. Green drink. Blech. But Athletic Greens green drink actually tastes really good. The best part is that I get all my supplements in for way cheaper than taking individual supplements themselves. It costs less than three bucks a day, so you're investing in your health for cheaper than a cup of coffee. It's also a trusted product. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and comes recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts alike. And for every purchase, you're helping to feed kids. Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is Athletic greens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance thanks to athletic greens for helping to sponsor the show and now we'll get back to the episode all right so it's the middle of july but it's always spooky season in my heart because i love hocus pocus and I don't lie. She's legitimately the Hocus Pocus number one fan. And I, we've said this before on the podcast, but it needs to be said time and time again. She watched this every single day as a child for, what was it, a year? Probably more than that. My poor grandma would come over and watch me. And for whatever reason, there was a certain time of day. I think it was after lunchtime. And I would never go down for a nap. And I'm talking like this is like the probably earliest depths of my memory. This is like right on that like teeter-totter area where you either remember stuff or you don't from when you were little. And this is like barely there. But the only thing that would like get me to calm down would be Hocus Pocus. And so we watched it every day. Even to the point where like we had a black cat growing up and I named him Binks after the movie because Binks was the best. And to be honest, though, that made me a little bit sad because, you know, there's that scene at the end of the original Hocus Pocus where Binks becomes a human spirit again. And uh, that is very heartbreaking as someone who owned a black cat named Binks. But I digress. Hocus Pocus 2, long rumored, finally here, coming in September to Disney+. Plus. We got our first trailer and our first look at Hocus Pocus 2. The trailer kind of opens with... You know, three girls. So this is obviously taking place in today's world. The original Hocus Pocus came out in the early 90s. So that was more focused on the 90s, obviously, but it wasn't like a, a time travel sort of thing. Um, so again, this sequel is going to take place in current day. And you see, you know, three girls talking about, you know, what they want to do for their birthday. And I believe it's the girl's 16th birthday. That's, so, when, that's when a witch, a woman becomes a witch. Right. And they go in the w the woods or a graveyard and they start doing like bippity boppity bippity boppity around what you would assume was a black flame candle. Though as a diehard fan, the black flame candle was only supposed to work for one night. So I'm a little confused if they have like a new black flame candle or if it was like a tiny remnant of the so candle. So you're already calling shenanigans. 
I have to see how it's going to be explained first, but I do have a doubt on that. But you know what? I'm sure they'll come up with some like plot hole armor to fix it. It's fine. So they resurrect the black flame candle and the witches are back. And then you get a kind of a, a little joke spot, you know, where somebody's like, oh, the Sanderson sisters, are you looking for the stage? And of course, Bat Midler is, is like always or something like that. And, you know. Yeah, that's what's amazing yeah. about this, by the way. You heard it right. She said Bet Midler. All the original witches are back. No new casting or any of that nonsense. They kept it true. And guys, that is absolutely fantastic. And also, they look fantastic. I mean... My goodness, and yeah, you can you can see that that there's some some makeup tricks there, but I mean, goodness gracious, give them a break. They're they're still gorgeous women, and I I don't know how old would you say they are. I know Bette Midler is at least seventy six. Yeah, she's 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 still got it. I tell you, Bette Midler, you're doing great. You're doing great things. Well, I think this will work really well too, because I mean, obviously they're all older, and the entire premise of the original Hocus Pocus was. That, you know, the witches were aging, the Sanderson sisters were getting older, and they needed to capture the essence and souls of children, the children of Salem, in order to stay forever young. That's clever. And that's how they got caught originally in the first movie, where they got, you know, hung. And that's also then why they perished at the end of the second movie. Spoiler alert, I guess. But, like, if you watch this trailer, you know they're obviously gone because they have to come back somehow. But they perish at the end of the first movie because they're unable to suck the lives out of all the children before sunrise. That was a great Bette Midler. Yeah. So I think this will actually work really well because if you go back to the first movie in the beginning when it's like back in old time Salem, they are artificially aged to look kind of older. And then, you know, when they come back when the black flame candle is lit in the first movie, you know, they kind of look like they're normal age and they have to get younger, but now they can come back. And I mean, first of all, like you said, they, they still look great, but you know, they can just be like, Hey, you know, we came back and now we're even older and we have to get more children in order to de-age ourselves. So I think this could work really, really well. Or instead of trying to get more children, they're going to try to train those people who wanted to be young witches so that they can, Keep milking this cow forever. The new generation of witches. I would not subscribe. One of the biggest things to me about Hocus Pocus was having that original cast. The Sanderson sisters are iconic. You have Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy and Jimmy. And I think in terms of their comedic timing and just the way that they mesh together, as well as the fact that they could make scenes also kind of scary and dramatic at the turn of a hat. I think they're perfect. I think if you pass the buck off to a bunch of teenagers, you're going to lose some of that, you know, gravitas. And also, you know, a lot of what was cool about the first Hocus Pocus was it kind of had that tie to the past and the original Salem witch trials and everything like that, which were obviously horrible looking back on it. But having that historical tie made it kind of neat. If they pass on that magic, I just, I don't know if I'm sold. That and like the fact that you don't have, well, maybe you don't have your original other cast, like the kids, like your Emery cats and all of them. I, I'm, I don't know. I think that there has to be at least one recurring cast member aside from the Sanderson sisters in this one for me to be absolutely happy. 
And do you know who that cast member is? Who? Ice. I could see that happening. Does anyone know what the actor who played Ice is doing these days? I, and I want him to be like like a like a straight and narrow, like a like a defense attorney, like something you wouldn't catch. And I and I just want it to be just completely like, wait a minute, what kind of thing? One of the other things that I do have to question, and again, I'm super excited about this. Do not get me wrong. I am like very stoked. You can find me on September 30th watching this. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have my popcorn. I'm going to be ready to go. But how is Binks back? Or is this not Binks? And also the voice of Binks is different. So is this just another black cat that was out there roaming around the Sanderson household? And if not, then what happened to Binks to put him back in cat bod? Because also very confused about that. And I'm going to need that explained. And it can't just be like a hand wavy thing. I need it explained well. So... The other thing, I'm looking up the IMDb cast, and Billy Butcherson is back in this as well. This is true. Actually, during this trailer, and I don't know if you caught this tactic, but they do show in the graveyard someone is taking a shovel to Billy Butcherson's grave, which is actually, I really liked Billy in the first movie. Gross. Like, as a little kid, he scared me, but the older that I got, I truly appreciate Billy Butcherson as a character. Now, my question to you is, are you going to watch this with your grandma? Um, I think you kind of have to. I don't know if she would want to. She is 98 years old, and I think if I asked her to watch Hocus Pocus, she would be like, absolutely not. I've had enough of Hocus Pocus well, you, But tell life. her it's the sequel. Say, hey, hey, we've been preparing for this for many years. I still think she would probably be like, hard no, hard pass. Because I don't know if she liked it when I was a kid. So I don't think she would want to watch it now. Who knows, though? I'm certainly going to watch it. Tactic, will you watch this with me? Are you asking me to be a stand-in for your grandma? Then yes. Yeah. Also, we do still have candy corn from last Halloween. That is getting thrown away. No, it's a closed bag. It's probably fine. I have a candy corn problem. I went hard with the candy corn this year and then we were almost out and i was like i have to buy a spare bag before it goes like away six bags no it's one spare bag that we've hung on to but it's still sealed so it's still probably good now we you know we covered a lot here we have one final news topic for you and this is one of the other things that i'm very very excited about mass effect 5 so for those of you who are not aware There is a Mass Effect sequel on the horizon. It is coming. It is not based on Andromeda. There's the promise of Mass Effect 5 going back to revisit the Commander Shepard saga. And we got some news recently about who will be writing the new story for the Mass Effect world. Mary DeMarl, hopefully I'm spelling that correct or saying that correctly, is now the senior narrative director on the Mass Effect team. So if you don't know who Mary DeMarl is, I don't blame you. A lot of us are not aware of who is behind some of the great stories and video games. It's kind of sad. We should probably be a little bit more aware of the people bringing us these awesome stories. But she has a lot of sci-fi background. So she was the narrative lead for the recent Guardians of the Galaxy game and the Deus Ex games. If you've played Guardians of the Galaxy, this will give you reason to be excited. 
And I know, Tactic, you have not played this yet, so I don't want to get into spoiler zone. But Guardians of the Galaxy, when I played that, I assumed that it would just be a fun romp through like a comic world with a bunch of like superhero skills in space. You'd get to be Rocket Raccoon, you get to be Groot a little bit, and you just have a fun time exploring all of these different beloved characters and maybe have some like snarky quips and good music in the background. Nah, she got depth. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy was probably one of the best narrative games that I've played in a while. It had a lot of heart and soul. The characters were super well-developed. I think it also helped that they weren't directly tied to the movie characters. The game was kind of a blend of like the musical taste from the movie and the characters coming out of the comics. And I think the way that the narrative was built, the characters were developed, the relationships and the backstories between the characters were explained was probably some of the best and most cinematic writing in a game that I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, the Deus Ex games too are are totally completely different from, say, the Marvel quips and one-liners that we're used to. So you get this, this really nice diverse range of characters that she's able to build and, and incorporate it in these worlds. I think this is going to make for fantastic storytelling or even more fantastic storytelling come Mass Effect 5. And guys, you should be really excited about this. Yeah, I know I for one am stoked. You know, after Mass Effect Andromeda, which I still will posit was not a terrible game. I think it was just not the Mass Effect game that most people were hoping for or expecting or even wanted. I think it w- if it was just a different game altogether, it would have been received a lot more kindly than it was being tied into the Mass Effect universe. That said, like I'm excited that we're returning to the Commander Shepard roots here. I'm really excited to see, you know, the aftermath of those decisions. I know a lot of people didn't like the ending of Mass Effect 3. The fact that it, spoiler alert, the fact that your decisions all kind of led to this like one of what was it three different endings was a little like you kind of wished you had a little bit more depth and variation considering like decision making was such a big deal, but I really am excited to revisit well, some of the characters. But your team would be completely different. And I think that's, throughout that storyline, you can only have so many parallel paths within like game developer time. But like each ind- each individual decision drastically impact. We had two different teams. Miss this is true. killed the Krogan. I didn't mean to. It's fine. I got a new one. <laughs> wow. They're just, Wow. But yeah, I'm really excited to go back to this universe and this world. You know, Tectic, did you ever, ever finish the games? Did you? I finished one and three, got halfway through two. Two was just seemed like a lot. Two was probably my favorite in the entire series. Two was, it was very beefy. Like you said, it was a lot. But in terms of, again, story building and building relationships between the characters, A lot of time was focused on building your team and recruiting people to your team. And so a lot of time was spent doing like individually geared missions for each of the different characters on your team. And I know it probably was a lot. And now that I have less time to get through games, it probably would have seemed a little unwieldy. But I really enjoyed the deep dive into the characters because to me, the characters kind of made or broke well, it didn't break. It made Mass Effect what it was to me. 
So yeah, get excited for it, folks. When does this come out? It's Do we still know? in early development, I believe. So it's going to be a ways away, but hopefully sooner rather than later, because I, I want to play Mass Effect again. Same Z's. And with that, we'll roll into our What Are You Up To Wednesday. And guys, we hung out outside. We enjoyed some nice weather. I'm just speaking for both of us. But more importantly, I smoked ribs. Love cooking ribs. <laughs> that was great and all, but no offense. That was not my favorite thing that we did this week. I made corn and bean salad too. Okay, but guys, I love food. That's great and all, but we're not a food show. And if I could spend an hour and a half talking with spoilers about Stranger Things. Oh goodness, we did that too. The new Stranger Things. That's what I would have talked about. Yeah. Holy cow. It is it was very very good it was a very long journey so the last episode was two and a half hours the penultimate episode was an hour and a half so altogether, you had four uh, four hours of stranger things and we literally sat down so when we watched uh the snyder cut i remember thinking like four hours of a movie is impossible and i'm not going to be able to do this we got popcorn. We were buckled in, good to go. Stranger Things was fantastic. And it did not feel like four hours. The Snyder Cut actually felt like four hours. This did not. Like, we rolled credits on the final episode, and we were immediately like, oh my God, we have to wait at least a year, maybe two for the final season. And like, I want more now. It was very cinematic. There were a lot of really well done action pieces, a lot of really well done set pieces. It just came out, so I don't want to talk about it in too much detail, but I want to, and that might be our bonus episode for the month of July because it was that good that I could just go on. And like, I don't know about you, Tactic. There were a few things that I was like, I would have done this differently or it didn't need to happen this way. But all in all, I was very satisfied. Yeah, I think I can agree with that statement. Um, some of their, they had like a heisty thing. I'm, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers. Some of the some of the plan planning just seemed unnecessary and led to things that I wasn't happy about. But all in all, yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't say anything really that bad because it was absolutely fantastic. If there's one thing that you, you know, take out of this is that there's also a really killer journey remix that they put together for the ultimate like kind of fight scene, the ultimate encounter in the final episode. And it's on Spotify. You should go listen to it because it was just, they kind of imbued Stranger Things vibes over the Journey song. And it was great. I've been listening to it on and off all day. So, And Eddie was amazing. I have to say that too. Absolutely amazing. Great actor. Fantastic actor. Yeah, very good new addition. I think of this season... In terms of acting skills, I mean, we've watched these kids grow up over the span of the show, but I think Sadie Sink might be my favorite character in terms of the acting chops that she brought to this season. I think she just had a very, you know, fully fleshed out and developed character. And the fact that she was able to kind of act very well in every different type of scenario and every different type of emotion kind of put her at a different caliber than many of the other actors on the show. And uh, my personal opinion, she is going to go on to do some great things. 
I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more too when Illegal comes back. And like I said, I think July might be a big Stranger Things 4 spoiler fest edition on our Patreon. We also did start watching The Boys new season. Oh, it's also really good. How did I forget all of this? Yeah, Tech, did you want to like run us through some of your thoughts on the boys episode? So the season's not done yet, but we've watched everything that's available as of the 5th of July. Yeah, so I don't want to give too too much spoilers, but basically this season is taking all of the crazy stuff that we saw in season one and just bringing it to the absolute next level. Superheroes are getting raunchier, guts are getting bloodier, and... Homelander is getting way, way crazier. And you guys should absolutely check it out. There's new twist with Compound V. There's new heroes that are being introduced. All sorts of shenanigans. And Huey is just doing nuts stuff. I don't want to spoil things, but I want to say everything. We should have double casty spoiler things. I don't know if Illegal watches the boys, though. Does he? I don't know. I guess we'll have to ask. But yeah, so we're kind of nearing the end of our episode. Tactic, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? I'm trying to think back. I feel like we watched a lot of stuff recently, but I feel like a lot of it was mostly just Stranger Things and the Boys. It was Stranger Things and the Boys, and it's it has been a fun, wild ride. So with that, I'm going to take it out with a tech tip. And the tech tip will be to make sure that Illegal listens to this, because he likes butts. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next week.